The Commentary Booth is a show for media lovers by media lovers just like you. If you want to support the show, go to pariomagazine.com.au. Welcome to the Commentary Booth, where we watch and you guessed it, commentate on the week that was in movies and TV. I'm your host and play-by-play commentator, Jamie Apps, and each week I'm joined by a rotating cast of colour commentators to help you find your next viewing treat. This week I'm joined by an aircon estimator who lists their favourite movie as A Nightmare on Elm Street and favourite TV show as Golden Girls. Welcome to the show, Karina Maybe. Hi, how's it going? Excited to be here in person. Yes, super exciting. And as we can see... In Australia. Snacks. The American decide to get all the snacks. Why not? Why else travel if you can't get snacks? Well, you got them all. You got all of Woolies and Coles here. I did not get everything. I had control. Just not much of it. Mm, so much control. I, I mean, you know, I could have got more, but I can only fit so much in my suitcase. Uh, yeah. Te- Tetris. Tetris. <laughs> can't wait to play that later. Be fun. And... While you were here, enjoyed a bunch of food. So much fucking food. Oh, I'm cursed. Sorry. Uh-oh. <laughs> Before we dive into our regular scheduled programming of TV and movies, Karina's going to rate and rank all of her um, Australian food adventures. I really don't want to do that because they're all so good. Everything's so good. Okay, let's go. What did you start with? Uh, first thing I had here was ramen, which was like really good. We have ramen back home, but it's it's a little bit different. So yeah, that was that was a fun adventure. It's good to start. Then Silverside, is that what you, is that what it is? Yeah. That was really good too. That was my first dinner here. Never had that. Uh, I don't know what's in it, but it's really good. <laughs> the sauce is really good. Corned beef with white sauce, parsley. Okay. Yeah, that's really good. We don't have anything like that at home. So that's great. We did Taco Bell. So I got to actually have a taste of home on my second day here, which was great. But um, you guys have pulled pork tacos. We do not. We also don't have the little the chips that you guys have all the time. The little nacho fry oh, thing. Oh, the like seasoned fries. Yeah, we don't have those all the time. That's a seasonal thing. So That's weird. Yeah. Why would they be? I don't know if it's like a seasonal thing or if it's just like a testy thing, but it's not all the time. <laughs> so um, that's really good. And we also don't have chocolate quesadillas. And you guys have chocolate quesadillas. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. Yeah. So... I could live on those. <laughs> fish and chips. Mm-hmm. Yep. Got a fisherman's basket. Yeah. Straight yeah. out of the ocean. Straight, straight up. It was so good. Um, I don't get fresh seafood like that at home very often. I have to travel towards the beach to get that, um, which is not very frequent. So I was really happy to have that. Mm-hmm. Also, the size of calamari rings here are massive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, at home, we just get like tiny little ones. And so here, there was like... Full on. <laughs> yeah, we don't mess around with seafood. It's got to be massive or so don't good. bother. I don't want to eat the same. Like, I don't want to eat seafood anymore. Oh, I'm spoiled. You made me apricot chicken. Mm-hmm. That was really, <laughs> that was something. Um, every time we talk and you're like, I made apricot chicken, I really want it and did not disappoint. Yeah, it's pretty basic. Like, literally three ingredients. Chicken, apricot nectar, and French onion soup. Everything's so basic, but it all tastes so much different. Like, I don't know. It's just, I don't want to eat the same way anymore. <laughs> oh, um, I was introduced to chocolate mud cake. Is that what it is? Is that what it's called? 
Uh, yeah, the, caramel, had, yeah, the, the caramel, caramel. Yeah, we had the chocolate one and then the caramel mud cake. Yeah, that's just from stuff. Woolies, just the, it's, the staple it's Woolies so good, cake. Um, yeah, we don't have some of the stuff back at home, right? We have similar things, but they don't taste as good. And then we went to Sneaky Burger, mm-hmm. and I had a pulled pork thing. Yeah, the pulled pork sambo, which is yeah, pulled pork coleslaw whatever their sneaky secret sauce thing is yeah uh, that that was one of my favorite things i've had here um and their french fries are amazing too yeah i I don't know what they do to their fries pretty much everything you get at sneaky burger is really good yeah that was freaking amazing i had a meat pie for the first time yep from the famous robinson pie shop before i uh, or yeah that was before we took on a mountain no we went up the mountain first oh we did we went up the mountain first and then i Cried a little inside. Then you had a pie. And then I had a pie. And then we went to a waterfall. Yeah. So uh, you scared the crap out of me and then fed me and then took me on an adventure. It was great. That was the best thing I've probably ever eaten in my life. It's the only way I can describe it. It was just so good. You made me laksa. Is that either? Yep. Yeah, that was a really good noodle soup thing. I'm gonna make that at home, I think. I think everybody's gonna like it. Probably like it. <laughs> Hopefully, the laksa paste you have at home is as good. That's the really crucial component getting good laksa paste. We might not have it at home. I might have to go back to the store. Might have to take another trip to the store and get more snacks or just. Lock yeah, I don't know how you'd go getting that back through customs. It'll be fine. I'll just <laughs> sneak it in, pretend it's normal. I had chicken kebab. Oh yeah, honey soy kebabs. Yeah, we're good. We don't. We have kebabs, but they're different at home, and they don't have like flavors. They're just plain old meat and veggies oh, on a stick. Veggie skewers. Yeah, they're just mainly like a skewer, but they call them kebabs at home. So yeah, we have those, but yeah, the marinated flavored ones are way way better. I could drink that sauce. It's so good. Yeah, we have. I think you can get Woolies and Coles, they do honey soy, there's a, a barbecue one, which is pretty average, satay chicken, which is good, and then there's a hoisin sauce one as well, which is that really That probably nice. really good. I discovered what a snack pack was. Uh, yep. Yep. My life has changed forever. <laughs> um, I want to I wanna start a business at home where we make snack packs, because uh, that was delicious and so good but so bad for you oh yes <laughs> probably the most unhealthy thing you ate whilst here uh, th- that would explain why it was probably <laughs> yeah. one of the best it's things i ate just... here <laughs> kebab meat on chips with sauce cheese sour cream garlic sauce yeah it was everything i could have ever wanted so, I... so unhealthy but so good that's all i've been talking about whenever somebody asks me what kind of food i've been eating back at home that's all i talk about is snack packs literally got home and messaged every single person and went snack pack that was good i went to a sausage sizzle oh yep yeah bunning sausage sizzle yep can't go wrong no um it was just really similar to a cook out at home but it tasted so much better the quality of stuff here just tastes way different i don't know what y'all go do to it but it just tastes a lot less processed and a lot better yeah i think there's just way less preservatives and salts and things like we're just i don't feel as guilty <laughs> cleaner food i guess but yeah i i don't feel nearly as unhealthy eating Although stuff here i probably wouldn't call a sausage clean food like it's okay, just... it just tastes healthier ish i don't know it wasn't on a stick, though. <laughs> it was just on bread with yeah, sauce. it's different. You took me out for breakfast. I had a proper breakfast and a proper Australian coffee. Mm-hmm. That was delicious. <laughs> I told you Australian coffee is the way to go. It's way better than the black tar disgustingness. 
I only drink iced coffee, though, back at home. So you've turned me to the hot coffee side. Only while I'm here, though. When I get back home, I'm grabbing an iced pumpkin spice coffee because I miss PSLs. <laughs> and I can't find any here right now. Yeah, we tried. I, I assumed Gloria Jeans would have them, but nope. No, no PSLs, but that's okay. Yeah, but I had a... What was it? A ham and cheese croissant, and it was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, croissants here are also very, very different. They're more flaky, like they should be, whereas yeah, most croissants I have at home are pretty dense, so they're not as good. Yeah, the croissants are very good. We did Chinese food yesterday. Plum sauce is mind-blowing. <coughs> Everything should come covered in plum sauce. The only way I can describe that. And crispy noodles were really good, too. Yeah. It's just a good contrast um, to, like, you know. Yeah, the soft meat yeah. and veggies with the crunch. Yeah. Um, and then I had um, a finger bun finally. I held out as long as I could because walked, I thought they looked ridiculous. Walked past them about six times. No, I don't need one of those. I don't need one of those. Finally gave in on the second last day. To be fair, we, we went into Kohl's yesterday and I did not go down the snack aisle, so I had to make up for that. <laughs> yeah, we didn't go down a snack aisle, but we spent about 20 minutes in the bakery. I, you know, <laughs> whatever, give or take, choose your battles, it's fine. But yes, uh, finger buns are delicious, they shouldn't be that good. They're nothing more than just a, a hot dog bun with icing, but they're so good. They are way better than they should be. Yeah, it just doesn't make any just sense. bread and sugar, <laughs> and they're good. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense, um, but I apparently have to make them when I get home now, so. Yeah, just don't put a sausage in it. I'm not gonna, that's gross. <laughs> I'm not gonna do that. Um, and then I had a custard scroll as well. I split that yesterday, and that was fantastic. <laughs> so I've um, gladly and happily ate my way through Australia, or at least part of it, because when I come back, I'm sure I'm gonna find 10 other things that I haven't had yet that I'm gonna again mm-hmm. so yeah really looking forward to that violet crumbles oh violet crumbles are my new favorite candy i need no other candy in my life except violet crumbles uh i tried a turkish delight and that was pretty good too soft drinks oh man what are those things kirk's is that what it is yeah passion oh the passion fruit one is like my top favorite soft drink in the world generally i don't drink soft drinks i just drink sparkling water so this has been a full-on adventure for me. It was really good. I tried chicken salt for the first time, and I'm bringing it home because it belongs on everything. <laughs> Tw- twisties you've had before. Twisties uh, were, a, were a thing I had to bring home. Um, same with Tim Tams. Those are amazing. Um, and then I was informed that I need to bring back Kit Kats, and I am delivering on that, clearly. Yeah, just every Kit Kat imaginable. Yeah, because, I mean, we have different flavors at home. We have, like, strawberry one and um like we had a blueberry one at one point but i've never seen like a raspberry and that triple chocolate cookie milo mm-hmm. which you also tried yeah milo's delicious Told you. it blows hot chocolate out of the water that's for sure tasmanian mint that'll be interesting i'm excited about the, the uh, orange one south southern australian orange yeah chocolate and orange belong together so i'm really stoked about that yeah, you've got a curly whirly to try when you get home eucalyptus drops salt and vinegar chips those are so we have salt and vinegar at home but those just taste they hit differently I'm telling you it's because they're ridged we only do plain ridged stuff at home and i think we might have one that's like cheddar but for the most part salt and vinegar chips are just flat regular chips and they do not taste that good Smiths do the exact same chips in the flat chips here, and they taste different. Yeah. Which makes no sense to me. It's the ridge. I don't know. It just does something. And then I found new Oreo flavors. 
that we don't, I don't think we have those at home or if we do, I haven't seen them or tried them. So I'm stoked about that too. You got the Oreo wafers. They could, they should be good. Yeah. I don't know what those are. I've never seen those before, but I'm a sucker for an Oreo. So bring it on. So in terms of favorite thing. Favorite thing I've eaten so far. (laughs) All right. Favorite thing I've eaten out has been a snack pack. It's like a, a toss up between the snack pack and the fish and chips, which is two total opposites really. One's relatively good for you. One's definitely not. For you. Um, and then the favorite homemade thing I've had has been the laksa. Like, mm. I love that like, just because I'm a sucker for noodles. So it's been my favorite thing. Nice. Alrighty. So that's Australian Food Adventures 101 with Karina. Yay. I can't wait to come back and get more. Woolies is going to have to up their game. They're going to have to introduce some new stuff. No, it's fine. I'm just. Or just come back and buy all the same things. I'm going to send you some money like once every couple months and, and just have you ship me like a, a survival pack. A box of shapes <laughs> and twisties. That'd be great. <clears throat> I need a care package. So on to regularly scheduled programming. This week we're delving into high fantasy as we chat about Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon and the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. First up, since we've seen most more of this show than the other, Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, a.k.a. Got Hot D. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing until you told me that, and I just stared at you very blankly. Like, what are you saying to me right now? <laughs> yeah, well, Game of Thrones is G-O-T, so now you've got Hot D. Yep, that's, that's happening. It's the prequel to Game of Thrones set approximately 200 years prior to the events of Game of Thrones and 172 years before the birth of Daenerys Targaryen. This show portrays the beginning of the end of the House of Targaryen and the events leading up to the Targaryen War of Succession, known as the Dance of Dragons, which I'm assuming is going to end up being included in subsequent seasons of this show, or will we a separate spin-off. I'll be happy either way as long as it continues on what it's already doing. I already like this way better than I I went into it thinking, all right, it's going to be okay, but I didn't have super high hopes just because of the last season of Game of Thrones disappointed me so much. Yeah, the last... What, I think it was like the last two seasons were a bit off on yeah. Game of Thrones. Yeah. Everything else was really good. This is giving me a new newfound hope in that show, or in the series itself. Season one is 10 episodes, and they've said... That the Fire and Blood book that this show is based off has been sort of tentatively plotted out for between three and four seasons. And they've already renewed it for a second season. They renewed it for a second season five days after the season premiere, which it's a big call very early. But I guess with the uh, ratings they pulled, which were episode one within the first 24 hours had 9.986 million viewers across HBO and HBO Max. The most watched pilot in HBO history and then they also noticed that Game of Thrones had a big spike in streaming before before the show came out yeah and then after five days so when they find when they did announce the season renewal it had been watched over 20 million times across HBO platforms here in Australia 1.25 million Australians roughly one in 20 watched episode one and yeah so I think that's why they were so confident in yeah I mean that's a good good start <laughs> there's, there's an audience here and it seems to be being received well across all of the episodes yeah we might as well do a second season but i i was really happy that it came out so well um i almost was gonna hold off and just watch all of it when i got here um but i could not 
I broke down and I watched the first episode, um, not the night that it was premiered, but the night afterwards, because I just couldn't hold back any longer. And I was extremely happy. It was a lot more intense in the first episode than I expected it to be. Mm. <laughs> um, I did not expect them to come out with that much of a bang, but hey, right on. They wanted to make a statement, and I think they did. <laughs> yeah, well, what we very early on, we start with Damon. Targaryen and his city watch soldiers just going through town and destroying people. <laughs> yeah, killing people that I couldn't tell if they were like actual rapists and thieves or if they were just like they just got caught up in the middle or something. Yeah, I think I feel like the city watch were kind of just pointing people out to like make examples of people and then shouting, "Oh, they did this." Yeah, as a reasoning for it, there was no thought to their to their grabbing. I don't think I feel I think like they was, just yeah. grabbed whoever was closest to them. Yeah, and it was they, oh, just yeah, violence for the sake of violence to like establish a bit of authority mm-hmm. and they got graphic in some of those kills like yeah nope i wasn't prepared saw people's hands get chopped off and other other appendages yeah yep. one. <laughs> and then we went to the the knights tournament which i think was like the first point where you can see the massive bump in budget between this show and game of thrones yes because we had like a, a jousting tournament in season one of game of thrones and it looked kind of like one of those medieval fairs where it was just like tents and a couple of yeah, small little grandstands, whereas this one was like Full on, big like. stone grandstands yeah. and just massive. So, yeah, that's where they really showed off the budget, which was a big jump. Like Game of Thrones, season one, budget, $6 million. Okay. By season eight, the budget had gone up to $15 million. Yeah. For House of the Dragon season one. The budget was $20 million. Uh, yeah, clearly they wanted to wanted to show off that they had learned. That's yeah. what I look at it. The overall production budget for the first season was apparently closer to $200 million, including $100 million for marketing. So they've, a lot of they've dropped a ton of money into this show. A ton of money. Not as much as our second show that we're going to talk about. That's true. <laughs> they spent a whole lot This more. was really good. Um, I saw so many different things for House of Dragons and even still there's like a bunch of different like mini docu-series or whatever that go into like different characters and different creatures and so they really wanted to like get the ball rolling with this series and make sure that it took off the way they think they expected it to. Yeah, like anytime you watch an episode on like Binge or Foxtel here, all the suggested things are other spin-off things relating back to it. So it's either here's the backstory on this character. Yeah. Here's the backstory on this other character. Here's the backstory on the dragons. Mm-hmm. Here's like behind the scenes or here's a post show that they have on every episode. There's yeah. like a cast and crew mm-hmm. sit down chat about the shows. I think I uh, I compared it the other night to The Witcher <laughs> when they released The Witcher series and they started to release like the mini episodes of like this character or like these creatures and this and that it's the same concept and i love it because if you don't know much about the the storyline or you don't know much about the characters in general because you've never read the books or something like that it's a great way to dive into that a little bit further so you don't feel completely like out of it when you're looking at it i just i find it funny every time i open the the binge app like the first page is just house House of of Dragons dragons or game of thrones yeah you got to scroll to find anything else, which is a bit funny. I did try to watch Game of Thrones again before House of Dragons came out, but um, I then realized I had way too many shows to catch up on in general, so that did not work <laughs> at all. Yeah, there's, what, eight seasons, hour episodes each? I only consider it seven. I don't need to watch the last season of Game of Thrones. I just need to watch up to seasons. 
episode one, what did you think of the childbirth scene? Oh, so being a mom, childbirth in general is not very fun. At least not for me, it wasn't. Um, so I can't imagine trying to give birth back in those times when you had no drugs mm-hmm. or anything for that matter. It was just simply your body just saying, hey, let's let's do this. Um, and that was a really extreme sequence that they filmed. I did not expect it to be that that intense. They are shooting for, you know, the the shock factor sometimes, I think, and they definitely hit it with that particular one. <laughs> they go full bore on the C-section and then oh. ends up being pointless anyway because the baby Balon, mm-hmm. spoiler, died I, anyway, So and then the mother died, so it's just mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, that was a waste of time, and then Damon gets banished. Rightfully so, because he's annoying. Um, <laughs> yeah, we see... The first female heir named Rhaenyra is named as the heir. And then we, that was the end of the episode. We moved into episode two, which is a, a six month time jump. So it's a, it's a small jump. Uh, we see Damon taking refuge at Dragonstone, supported by his bunch of crazy psycho, choppy killer City Watch guys. Yeah. Rhaenyra had to choose her King's Guard yes appointee yeah. and she was really um smart when she came to that i like how she kind of um did not go with whoever was getting suggested to her she kind of realized like hey i want somebody who actually knows what they're doing not someone who just looks good or is you know in good political standings or something like that yeah yeah she actually chose someone that has battle battle experience, experience and yeah. is battle tested which was smart in Kristen cole and then the the creepiest, grossest part of that episode. Oh, God. The child bride moment Viserys where they tried doing that. Meaning <laughs> to choose a new bride, and Corliss and Rhaenys suggest their 12 year old daughter. Yeah, that was a, a bit much. It was pretty gross. Especially since they coached her to like say things too. Like, that's what was even more disturbing was that not only were they forcing this upon or trying to force it upon their child, but they were actually like coaching her like, hey, say this and do this. Don't worry. You don't have to worry about it right now, but this is what's going to happen. It's like, mm. And it's not until she says like, I wouldn't have to bed you until I was like 14 that you realize just how young she is. Like she looks really young, but yeah, it was... that takes it to a new level. Yeah, I know. But he ultimately doesn't choose her. He chooses Alicent. The best friend of Rainier his daughter. best friend. Which is almost as bad. She's just a little bit older. But that's, oh, I can't imagine like a dad saying, hey, I'm marrying your best friend. And she's being like, oh, I'm your new mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's weird. And then, yeah, that ultimately annoys Corliss, who decides to then go and team with Damon, which sets off next bunch of crap <laughs> stuff in episode three but we also when we go back to Damon we see that he's stolen a dragon egg yeah and Rhaenyra gets to like show off her might and just how much of a badass she actually is yeah, flies in on a dragon which was such a cool scene like flying through the mist and yeah then, like, it was popping up and just landing and, and she owns it too she completely owns her sequences like even though she's young she knows that she's got so much more potential and no one's really listening to her fully like Especially after being named heir, like, this was kind of her way of saying, like, no, I'm actually in charge here. I'm, I know what I'm doing. I'm taking control. Yeah. I have a dragon. I can do what I want, basically. Yeah, I like that she's a little bit rebellious because she's just, she's trying to, I think, you know, assert her dominance and show that she's not weak and she's ready for that moment and nobody's really giving it to her. She's really channeling, like, Daenerys Targaryen very, very much, like, yeah. I think that's the coolest part. Like, this show feels very much like Game of Thrones 
but with like different pieces in the the chess game, mm-hmm. but still like having all the political intrigue, and yet it absolutely feels like it fits within that universe. It's not yeah, it's not forced. It's or not anything. capitalizing on this being such a successful show. Yeah, let's try and make something that kind of feels like it. It's no, this is Game of Thrones. Yeah, no, I think if it's perfectly <laughs> in with the entire series, I think it's gotten its own footing, and it's definitely um, it's definitely its own show in its own ways and stuff like that. Like they're obviously hinting towards Game of Thrones style and things like that, but they're definitely doing a good job of putting their own footprint in there and kind of riding with it. I did find it funny though that uh, Damon lied about his mistress being pregnant, but didn't like clue her in yeah, as she to was this so was clueless. what's happening. Like, what do you mean you told them I was pregnant? What do you mean you told me that you told them when we were getting married? What? She's like, bro, you're, you're of status. They're not going to kill you, but They'll kill me. They'll kill me. I didn't do nothing. Yeah, I kind of almost felt bad for her because she was just like an innocent bystander at that point. She had no clue what was going on. What are you thinking of uh, Matt Smith as Damon as well? Um, So I didn't really know much about him in general. Um, When I first saw him on screen, I recognized him from Morbius because I know how much you love that movie. Oh, that's what he's from. Um, Yeah, he plays his best friend who ends up being oh. like the actual villain. Yeah, you're welcome. I just kept thinking of him as Doctor Who. And I've never watched Doctor Who. Oh, no. Fun you've, fact. <laughs> you've ruined him. God damn it. Um, yeah, no, I know how much you enjoy Morbius. It's one of your favorite Sony Marvel films. So good. Can't wait to rewatch it over and over again. But yeah, and then we watched um, what, Last Night in Soho, and he was in that too. Oh, yeah, he was a creepy guy in that too. Yeah, he was a creepyish guy in that movie too. Um, so it was really funny watching this show and then seeing him in that role while I was here. And I go, oh, hey, hold on, I know him. Um, but he's a really good actor. Um, I know he's getting a lot of praise for his role as Damon right now. And I think he's got a really good kind of villainous like way about him. The way he's portraying it is just perfect. Yeah, particularly after episode three, I saw a lot of praise for his performance in that because, fun fact, that episode he doesn't speak a single word. Really? Mm-hmm. I gotta go rewatch that now again. I didn't realize that. He has it's such just... like pivotal moment in that episode. And he just doesn't say anything. He doesn't say a single word in that entire episode. Oh, wow. But his, like, performance is probably his best of the season so far. Yeah, I didn't realize that, but that just makes it that much more powerful. Because I was watching it, and I loved the battle sequences in season three, and especially, like, that whole sequence with him, but I almost... It was almost kind of, like, far-fetched almost when I was watching it <laughs> a little bit in spots. Like, yep. how are you running through this without getting touched by a single arrow? He didn't even zigzag like he the didn't. guy in the Battle of the Bastards. He just least... went straight. Like straight line and was stopping to actually like hit people and still didn't get hit. Standing so. still and a hundred archers are still missing. Yeah, so I mean they must have just had a really bad aim, but um, no, it's it's interesting to know that he didn't say a damn thing in that. Yeah, he <laughs> just runs through and murders people, and even like in the like pre setup where Corliss and his son and Damon are like trying to go over the tactics of what we should do here. He just does stands there. The guy from what, King's Landing, whatever the new town is, comes up with the message saying Viserys is going to send support and he doesn't say anything. He just walks over, grabs the note and jets out to the battlefield with a white flag and does like one of the most despicable things you can do in a battle. Yeah. Pretend to surrender and then stab someone. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, no, I was really confused as to what was going on and then it clicked when when they started showing everything and I'm just like, wow, all right, this is interesting. Yeah. I thought he was just like legitimately surrendering. He was like, I'd prefer to lose than have my brother help me. Help me. Yeah. That would have been a a good way of doing that. I'm just going to get sneaky and win no matter how I want. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was Lord Corliss and Prince Damon battling Kragus, Dreha, AKA the crab feeder and his little crab guys. 
Yeah, that was really weird. I kind of appreciate the fact that he's a strange villain in the sense that, like, he's putting crabs on people and just letting them go to town and and torture people, essentially, with crabs. Like, it's a weird concept, but I think it's kind of cool. And yet they did a good job of, like, setting that character up without, like, having major moments where, like, we spent time just with that character. Like, we saw little glimpses of him here and there and heard lots of talk about him creating this battlefield and, like slowly decimating the the navy and stuff yeah but we never like had to spend an episode with him to learn who he was so right he felt like a intimidating enemy without being being like constantly explained. in the show yeah, yeah which yeah. was really cool we did get to see a close-up view of him in episode three as sort of we learned that he has dragon scale like i could in episode like we see him in episode two i don't think we see him in the first episode Mm-mm, no i think it's just episode two is where they finally introduce him as yeah. coming on and yeah like we see him in episode two and i wasn't sure if it was like just weird like burns or something crab like that skin or like burns or something but then yeah we find out that it's dragon scale we also see a close-up he's wearing one of the broken sons of the harpy mask yeah that's a that was something that you pointed out, and I had no, I didn't even put two and two together on that right away. Yeah, I, I looked and I was like, that mask looks familiar, and I couldn't work out why. And then I saw a, a tweet later saying, yeah, it was the Sons of the Harpy mask. I was like, okay. Makes sense. So that's a nice little tie-in to Game of Thrones. I do like that they call him the Crab Feeder, though, rather than, like, his actual name, just to, like... Yeah, because it yeah. sounds more... Fun. I don't know. It's kind of like when they were doing, like, the Mountain or the Hound or something like that yeah. in Game of Thrones. Like, you don't use their name. You just use, like, their... Yeah, their moniker. Or whatever. Yeah. And, yeah, like we said... Aid is finally sent to help Damon and he's just like, nope, I'm going to do this myself and runs into the cave. We don't actually see the battle, but we just see him drag out shoulder to hip sliced down in half and we see the top half of this torso dragged out. It's like, whoa. Yeah, and then Damon's just like covered in a a massive amount of blood and everything just staring out. Which is concerning given the guy has dragon scale. Like, does now Damon get dragon scale? Because like... Isn't that how it's like past like yeah. touching someone? But uh, that'll be an interesting kind of thing to see if that if anything comes of that actually. Yeah, but like we also had like teasers of potential dragon scale with Viserys as well. Like in the mm-hmm. first episode, like we keep seeing like the gross pussy wounds and stuff, and it, yeah. it kind of looks dragon scaly, but not. So it's just, that'll be interesting to see. Like, is dragon scale going to end up being like a much more pronounced thing issue in yeah. this series? And we had a time another time jump in this one. So yeah, she's slightly older again. I'm interested to see if we're getting going to get time, more and more time jumps, or if we're going to eventually get to a point where we just okay, now we're here. Yeah, we've done four episodes to set up where we are, and then the foot, the final four are going to all just be like in order without jumping. So we'll see. Or maybe they'll just do. But this one was a three-year jump. This was a, a much bigger jump. Yeah, I feel – I hope that they don't do too many diet time jumps. Or if they do, I hope it's not, like, as a major because I would like this series to go on a lot more. Mm, but then, like, the preview we saw at the end of episode three. Like, she looked like a full-grown adult. Look, that, that looks yeah. like there's another pretty significant jump, at least one more to come. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we saw well, – Sarah and Allison had a, their first baby. Mm-hmm. It was the baby's second birthday. Yes. And – Allison is already heavily pregnant again, which... Oof, I don't envy that. That's pretty nuts. Yeah, it's just, I mean, she's popping him out. I think it's, you know, he's trying to maybe, the king's trying to just maybe set his legacy in place since he had such bad luck with his, you know, firstborn son. Mm -hmm. He's trying to just, like, set that in stone, like, oh, hey, look, I have a male heir, although he doesn't seem very concerned about having a male heir at this point. Yeah, he seems seems very conflicted. He seems like he's pretty steadfast on, like, no, I've named... Rhaenyra mm-hmm. as the heir, so I'm not going to go back on my word. But then he has that moment. Like, everyone around him is like 
pushing him to change. Yeah. Which is going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. Yeah, I kind of, I hope he stays, like, true in his, like, original setting and, like, doesn't end up being stereotypical, oh, no, I'm going to name my my male heir yep. kind of moment. And, yeah, like, we see a lot of Viserys continuing to sort of be pressured and pressuring Rhaenyra to marry so that I, I think he wants her to marry so that it stops people pressuring him mm-hmm. to change who the heir is. Yes. But she's like, doesn't want any part of it. We see, we see a Lannister, Jason Lannister yeah. come in and try to court her, offer to marry her. And she's just like, go away, bro. Yeah. I want nothing to do with you. The actor for Jason Lannister was interesting. Um, he's also in this series. He plays Tyland Lannister as well. Jason's twin. Oh, so he that's plays two he characters, which that's is going to be weird because I'm going to be like, what, what am I they're going to have to actually say his name every time that he comes on screen so you know which one it is. Mm-hmm. Unless they like give them like really drastically different outfits or hairstyles or yeah. something. Yeah, I didn't know that. That guy has also played a character in Game of Thrones as well. Oh, really? Yeah, he plays Hugo, uh, Hugh of the Vale in Game of Thrones, like a random soldier at one of the that's jousting tournaments. So yeah, he's got three characters in this universe. That's a... Uh... That's something. I mean, that's kind of cool to, to put on your, you know, your resume. Like, oh, I was, I was in Game of Thrones three different ways. <laughs> oh, and then when Viserys is being pressured to make Rhaenyra marry someone, Lord Strong suggests that she marries Laenor Valeron, the brother of the 12-year-old girl. Yes. Which was gross. Gross. But like, <laughs> More child marriages and arrangements, which are not He necessary. was older when he does this because we see him in that battle. He's yes. the guy that rides the dragon in to win. Oh, really? Yeah. When Damon is having that big ground fight, the, oh, dragon, he's the, that, on the, other dragon. the dragon that comes in is Lainor. Okay. Lainera's brother. Okay. There's so many confusing There's names. There's so in many L's in here. They're all so similar. Ugh. Lainor yeah. <laughs> is the son. Lainera is the daughter. Ugh. Come up with some more. And then there's just Jason. There's Jason. <laughs> the one Whatever. dude with a normal name. Yeah, no, I'm good. I can deal without any child marriages or arrangements that'd be great so the spoiler i found okay. i was telling you about yes is to do with Rhaenyra. okay and who she eventually marries okay they're targaryens who do you think it is oh, i don't know why should i know it's damon ew gross really oh no like we got glimpses of that in that preview like it looked like they were together and yeah so they eventually end up together which is gross and weird i don't ugh, i don't like damon like i don't like the character which i guess is a good thing because that's what they're trying to do he just irritates me because mm. he's so smug <laughs> yeah so they're gonna end up being married no thank you which is a bit gross that's gross and so far we've seen few dragons we're meant to get nine overall i think we've seen three three or four three so far three, yeah. so we've seen cyrax which is rainera's mm-hmm. like golden yellow the pretty one. color dragon. Damon's dragon. Damon's is Caraxus, which is a, like a bright red dragon with That's a huge. really long neck, weird legs that make him look kind of like, when I saw him flying, I was like, looks like a sea monster. Yeah, he is very oddly shaped for a dragon. Mm. And then the final dragon we saw was Lainor. It's a gray, grayish white color dragon called Sea Smoke, which is a pretty cool name for the guy as his house is the seahorse. Yeah, I like that. It's a good play on that, I think. Uh, so, yeah. I'm interested to see what other dragons we see. Yeah. They've all be been, fun. like, really different. Mm-hmm. Look, they all look pretty different to the, the Game of Thrones dragons, but I think that's probably partly because of budget where they can yeah be a bit more creative with the dragons. I kind of sort of hope I get to see a baby dragon just because baby dragons look adorable. And there was the egg that Damon stole. 
So I'm kind of hoping that they just maybe throw that in there one day <laughs> just for me because I love the baby dragon. Uh, and we saw Viserys' dead dragon skull. Yeah, the big ginormous one underneath it. Is it under the castle? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, apparently we're going to see well, six more dragons in the next five episodes. Yes. So there's gonna, I think there's going to be a big like dragon battle at some point. That's a positive for me. I'm all about that. Give me all the dragons. If Damon and Rhaenyra are together, there's two dragons on one side. Yeah. Sea Smoke is going to be with them too. So there's a three dragon fight. Yeah. So then they'd have to pull in more. It'll be interesting to see where. From the other side. So I'm excited about it. It's going to be cool. And then the other little note I saw was: Did you notice the dagger that Viserys is always carrying around? Yeah. He constantly has this little dagger on his hip, mm-hmm. and it's the dagger that someone tried to kill Bran with in. Game of Thrones season one. Is it really? And it's also the dagger that Arya uses to kill the Night King. Oh, that's kind of cool. So it's like this dagger that just gets passed down through the generations. Yeah, and and somehow it gets passed over eventually. Somehow gets over to Arya. That's interesting. That's a fun tidbit. I didn't realize that at all. Yeah. I looked, I saw it and I was like, that looks fun. That's really, that's an interesting concept. They've done a really good job of weaving it together. So yeah, like Mm -hmm. we said, it feels like it fits. It's not just a cash in. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it belongs there. And I'm excited. I'm excited for the success of this one because then maybe we'll get additional ones somewhere else down the line, maybe for, you know, more in depth on the Starks or the Lannisters even. As much as I hate the Lannisters, I would love to see like a whole backstory on their house. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or even like something to do with the king of the north and the night king like how that all came yeah like i mean north of the wall that yeah fight. ultimately i would love like a backstory on all of the stuff like that's on across the wall like beyond the wall just that would be such a fun series to have or even like we could do a follow-up season with like Arya's adventures now that she's like traveling the world to try and learn more stuff yeah that'd be a cool one because i like i like Arya. and I don't personally think I wanted her to, to defeat the Night King in the way that it happened, but I do like her character. I think she she's one of my favorite characters throughout the entire show of that. So that would be a fun thing to, to see as a spinoff series. If this, I think this one's going to do exactly what they're expecting it to do. It already has for, for the most part. So yeah. I think the only issue that I would have with an Arya spinoff in that sense is like the political intrigue has been such a big component of these two series mm-hmm. like, i don't know how you include that in like an aria adventure story yeah like I'm... it's literally just going to be like her killing people yeah it's going to kind of be like a monster of the week show not necessarily like this overarching political storyline yeah everywhere unless she goes somewhere and like gets employed to like try and assassinate someone and as she's learning about this person discovers that there's more to this backstory and yeah they set it up that way but That'd be interesting. So that's House of the Dragon. The other big show, like we mentioned, they've spent an amazing amount of money on this one. Godly amounts of money, I can imagine. The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, fantasy television series based on the books by J.R.R. Tolkien, this time set in the second age of Middle-earth, thousands of years before The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, and covering essentially what leads up to the forging of the rings that become the major element of Sauron's rise and demise and re-rise in the Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah. Uh, produced by Amazon Studios in cooperation with HarperCollins, New Line Cinema, and in consultation with the Tolkien estate, which is a big thing. Tolkien's grandson, Simon, consulted in the development of the series. They have said it's not a continuation of the movies. It's like a sub-story, but... 
they have tried to design everything so it fits which isn't they've done I think they've done a good job so far yeah I think they have too because you see characters that later on show up in Lord of the Rings so they've done a good job of kind of slowly incorporating that but not full-on putting it in your face like hey even like visually it feels like it should be a major movie not yeah an Amazon streaming show no every episode I go wow this is like a movie a mini movie like it's just like a full-on production at this point like I feel like I'm just watching another another Lord of the Rings movie honestly because they're just so massive and like just the CGI elements. Yeah, they're beautiful. Like, it looks so good. It's, it doesn't yeah. look like a Netflix or Amazon streaming show where you can pick up on the, the dodgy elements, like where the budget has been pulled mm-hmm. back. But Yeah, no, this is definitely, I mean, if they ever wanted to, if they had thought about it and they wanted to do like a theatrical release of like mini movie or something like that, this would have been perfect. It's just that kind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like if New Line Cinema want to, spin off another movie out of this they've they've got just, it <laughs> just employ this this crew of cgi artists because they, they're fantastic they've done a great job but like we're saying the budget wise insane amazon bought the rights in 2017 for 250 million dollars after essentially being stuck in a bidding war with netflix themselves and hbo they all wanted but then with Game of Thrones, I can see why HBO probably dropped out. Yeah, because I feel like if they had both of those, they wouldn't know what to do. I feel one would have faltered if they had been in charge of both of them. It would like, have been overload on fantasy stuff. And yeah. Would have, I think people would have split and watched one or the other. Mm-hmm. Whereas now that they're on separate things, I think people are going to watch both. And as much as I love Netflix, I don't think they would have been able to pull it off as much as Amazon did with this one. Well, they definitely wouldn't hit the budget. Well, yeah. <laughs> Because Amazon, when they bought it, they committed to making five seasons. Mm-hmm. So that's already done. And they've, they've committed a billion dollars to the creation of those five seasons, making it the most expensive television series ever made. Mm. And as part of the deal, it was stipulated that they begin production within two years because a Lord of the Rings show has been something that's been rumored for ever, probably like decades now since yeah. the movies came out. So yeah, they were basically like, I think the Tolkien estate was like, if you're going to do this, you yeah. can't just buy the rights and then sit on it for years. Like, <laughs> we want it. You've got to get this done within two years and get it rolling, which they've done. And apparently Jeff Bezos was personally involved in the negotiations. He was so keen on getting this show huh. for Amazon. Like okay. he normally doesn't get involved in the entertainment side. Yeah. But he was super desperate to get this show for Amazon because apparently he uh, mandated that Amazon develop a fantasy show at on the scale of Game of Thrones. And then this popped up. Yeah, like, that's perfect. Perfect timing. Let's just spend the money and get this and we'll go from there. Like we don't have to develop a whole new world and lore and everything. No, like, yeah, it's already there. We have a base layer. We can just build off that. Mm-hmm. But then they spend a, me- a billion dollars. So. I mean, it's good to see that my Prime membership went to good use. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that. Didn't disappoint. <laughs> and it seems to be paying off so far in the first 24 hours. 25 million viewers yeah all right for two episodes that's a bit that's a bit much i was expecting it to do well with given how much they sort of promoted the hell out of this show but that well but is amazing 25 million is insane yeah no, that's that's fantastic though i'm sure they're all very happy about that like we said they've spent a billion dollars but i think even the uh the trailer they put out i think that that trailer cemented in people's minds that they're not half-assing this yeah, no, the trailer is what sold me. I hadn't thought about Lord of the Rings for a while just because I had heard so many different rumors about shows and spinoffs and this and that. 
And I go, all right, well, you know, it might happen, it might not happen. And then even going back to when they released the Hobbit series movies, those were good, but I, it didn't do for me what the original Lord of the Rings trilogy did for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hadn't really thought too much about it. And I went into it thinking, all right, it's just, it's going to be good, but who knows how good it's going to be. And so now I'm like full on dedicated mm-hmm. to it. The trailer with the, the forging of the rings was like apparently all practical. Yeah. It's not CG. They actually actually poured a mixture of bronze and aluminium into sand molds, filmed it at 5,000 frames per second Mm -hmm. so that they could slow it right down and show it in ultra slow motion. So it proved that it was worth it. Aluminum. Aluminium, (laughs) weirdo. (laughs) He said the word and it made me just think about that and it's aluminum. The trailer was really good, though. I I really did appreciate that they did a really good job on that, and it got it got me really hum- like pumped for for this series. And like like we said, there's a lot of CGI in it, but they've also incorporated a lot of practical effects as well, mm-hmm, all, which I appreciate. All the orcs in this show are apparently like just real people wearing as a, like FX makeup, latex masks that, but like high quality latex masks that are thin enough that they can still move them with their face and like. Act, mm-hmm. not just here's a blank mask and yeah. we're gonna have to come in later and CGI in the emotions. Like they are they're really high quality masks that they can actually still move their mouth and eyes and stuff in the mask. I love that. I I really appreciate when when they do that, when they put forth the effort to do that, because it just looks so much better. Mm. Yeah. It looks better on film, it you give get more emotion out of each character and you know it's not just generic because you can only do so much with a computer. I mean every Every movement, yeah, it might seem unique or something like that, but you, there's only so many ways you can make someone like or scrunch their face or something like that. And at least by doing it this way, they can, if they do have to go in and do CGI, it's only going to be little minor tweaks here or there, mm-hmm. like maybe for lighting or to highlight eyes and things. It's not going to be full face yeah. changing, so that's cool. And apparently we're getting female orcs for the first time as well. That'll be interesting to so see. That'll be cool. That'll, that'll be a really interesting concept. I also, I noticed there's been like a few changes with saw black elves. Mm-hmm. Apparently for the first time there's like black and white halffoots, which are essentially hobbits. Yeah. They're really cute too. Like I like their whole character concept. They're, they're really interesting to me. Yeah. W- when we were watching it and they kept saying halffoot, I was like, aren't they just hobbits? Yeah. And I couldn't really tell if they were or weren't either. Cause they don't, they don't resemble a hobbit necessarily but they also they live the same way yeah they're they're small they have the like big hairy feet but then when they showed like were they hunters or yeah when they showed them in comparison they were way tinier than like a hobbit would be because if you think back to like the hobbits in lord of the rings they they were they were short but they weren't like that tiny these people were like berry size yeah so i think like i was reading somewhere like in the lord of the rings books there's hobbits are like a class of species. Mm-hmm. And then within that, there's like halffoots and two other types. Oh, okay. So I think they're just like a spin-off hobbits, but like different sizes and yeah. slightly variations. But yeah, they were cool. Um, but yeah, I do like the idea of female orcs, mm-hmm. black elves. Like it's not going to be as divided as they were in the movies. Like yeah. in the movies, it was all the elves are white with blonde hair. Mm-hmm. All, all the, the orcs hobbit, are... All the hobbits are short. All, all the orcs are men. Like, yeah. Apparently that's them trying to make this more akin to the books where it wasn't so much divisive. Mm-hmm. I think the movies being made when they were, they were just trying to really define clear lines of yeah. this is an elf. 
this is a hobbit. And I think people already have like in their mindset, like just from reading fantasy books and stuff like that, like that is what an elf is supposed to look like. It's supposed to be exactly like that. Mm. And they just used that. But I like how they've definitely grown their ideas on that. We've already seen like the black elf mm-hmm. running around and fighting orcs and stuff in the town, which is cool. Yeah. What did you think of episode one overall? Um, I like it. I'm really, really excited about to see like how far they go with the, the character storylines and stuff like that. It's interesting to see how dedicated, um, I always fuck up her name. What is it? Called? Gladriel. Gladriel. Yeah. Um, I liked how dedicated she was to pursuing like what happened with her brother and stuff like that. Like she was just nonstop. Like, this is what I have to do. This is what I have to do. Um, so I appreciate that. But yeah, I don't, I like, I, I know everything's become like a strong female lead character now. Like that's the new standard I feel with a bunch of new shows, but in this, I feel like it's, it's justified. Um, and they're not just focusing solely on her anymore. It is going to other characters too, and other parts of the realm and things like that. So I do like that a lot. Yeah. It definitely feels like it's kind of like Game of Thrones was in the first season where there's all these different stories happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. And eventually they're all going to come together. Yes. And then that's going to be a cool moment. Yeah. I thought episode one was good, but episode two was what finally sold me. Like I thought episode one was, obviously it was going to be slower because it was introducing you to all these different stories and different characters. Mm-hmm. So it felt pretty slow. Yeah. But then episode two, like they're like, okay, you know everyone now. We're going to ramp it up. Mm-hmm. We're going to throw in some crazy elf battles and an orc just randomly popping up out of the out of, out of the ground yeah that was a creepy thing too like they they did a really good job with like the like design the character design on the orcs i i love the way that they look right now like they're long fingernails they've got like you know crazy stuff going on with their faces and they just they don't look very generic like you know thinking back to the movies they were very like there's only like maybe three or four kind of designs on them whereas these ones they look like they're going to be more individualized mm-hmm. what did you think of Theo, the little kid, finding the broken Sauron sword and being an idiot and, like, touching Touching it. it. I'm really intrigued to see what happens with him. Um, He seems like, I don't know, he seems like just your, like, average, like, teenager kind of kid who, you know, wants to break rules and stuff like that. Um, he also is very like anti-elf. Mm, so, yeah, that seems and he to makes that very thing. known and everybody in that town seems to be very, like, not happy about their presence there. Yeah. I was reading it's basically because the elves have been dispatched there to watch over that town because that town is all descendants of people that were allies of Morgoth, mm. like Sauron's leader. Yeah. So they're all like, the elves are like watching and being like, we still don't trust you. Right. So then that's like playing back with the, the men not trusting the elves at the same time. Yeah. So I feel like that might play a role in like how that, how touching that sword might have affected him. I like how they've just like hinted it a little bit, like he's been targeted kind of almost, or it seems like he's been targeted. Mm. Um, Yeah, I think like it's kind of like Frodo. Yeah. Like him touching the ring and like Mm -hmm. forming a connection. Yeah, I think it's the same concept. similar concept. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens, um, if he's able to kind of just get on with life and pretend that nothing happened, or if he actually brings it up to his mom, like, hey, something weird's going on. I doubt he's going to do that, though, because he doesn't seem like he would be that kind of kid. No, I think, yeah. He's going to end up having some sort of role to play in mm-hmm. annoyingly bringing Sauron back and then that's going to yeah. cause these big fights. 100%. Um, I'm also intrigued by the weird meteor man that the half Oh, yeah, the like one that just flew down out of nowhere and was like, Who can't talk. 
who can't talk, but he likes fireflies and uses fireflies to kills like, fireflies eventually <laughs> to show yeah constellations and stuff. I'm interested to see where that's going. Yeah, I don't know what he's supposed to be. If he's supposed to be maybe like Sauron in male form, because everything kind of happened all at once. Like there were flashes here and there, and mm. he kind of just like touched down at the same time that other stuff was going on. So yeah, like. I don't know. I kept getting like kind of Gandalfy vibes from him. Okay. And I was like, is he supposed to be like a young Gandalf that just like hasn't worked out his powers and connection to humans yet? Or yeah. I don't know. Is he Sauron? There's, there's a lot of intrigue in this like first two episodes of I'm not sure what's happening, mm-hmm. but I'm still like super keen to find out more, which is weird. Yeah. I I appreciate it though because they've definitely done a good job of of hinting to things but not full-on putting them out there yet so and they've done a really good job of not being able to let you connect the dots either because they they've left it so open-ended it could go either way really Mm -hmm. other big thing we got to see in the second episode was uh the elf guy being sent to work with the smith Uh and then them going to the dwarves and trying to establish a union with the dwarves to to build a a really gigantic forge Mm -hmm. which is obviously they're going to come to that agreement yeah build this big forge and then forge the rings Mm -hmm. that i felt like that was the only thing that was super clear about what's happening right yeah they've kind of made it look like it it might not happen but the show is called rings of power like yeah at some point we're gonna have to build this forge you did not mention sea monsters I was oh, yeah. really happy about a sea monster finally, because in the entire Lord of the Rings universe, they've never once mentioned sea creatures. Um, so I was really happy that they finally dawned on that, because you don't know what's out there in in the oceans or anything like that. Or yeah, I guess, yeah. Lurking. In the movies, we've only ever seen on land and then the big flying bird things. Mm-hmm. We haven't actually been on the ocean. Right, yeah. So I was really happy when they finally did that and just kind of branched out a little bit, because it just shows that there are more more creatures and stuff like that out there in that entire universe almost they didn't show much of the sea monster but it was massive it was massive yeah it was huge so far i'm pretty hooked mm-hmm. i'm interested to see where it goes in the next what did i say 10 episodes uh, i hope it's 10 episodes i think it's like eight or 10 episodes so i'm interested to see where Sounds it goes right. the dwarves are cool i really like the way the dwarves looked mm-hmm. i like um i like the guys with the like helmets that even covered their beards yeah <laughs> like they got to protect their beard um i like the dwarf wife i forget her name uh, uh disa i love her she's hilarious yes. <laughs> you're not staying for dinner you're staying for dinner He's honey. Staying for dinner. <laughs> duran's just like okay jeez i don't want him here but whatever <laughs> yeah she's uh she's wonderful i love her so much i think she's a great like side character additive and she adds like a little bit of a comedy element to it which is nice since it's such a serious kind of show two episodes so far pretty intriguing interesting to see where it goes but if you were to give a top recommendation out of the two. Um, I'm going with uh, Hot D. <laughs> I'm going to call it Hot D now just because that's a thing. Mm-hmm. It's just because that's more um, more my speed of blood and fighting violence. <laughs> I think Lord of the Rings could get up there, but mm-hmm. I guess we've really only had one extra episode. But it feels like so much more has happened. Yeah, I think it's just because they're so... Yeah, because I feel Game of Thrones is already such an established thing, so we already kind of went into it expecting certain things to happen maybe, and mm-hmm. we had like the whole idea of, all right, this is the backstory of the Targaryens, whereas Lord of the Rings, we don't really know other than the fact that it's supposed to be about how the Nine Rings came about. 
we don't really know anything else. Like I said, it felt slower. So, mm-hmm. And I think because they've committed to five seasons already, they don't want to be like, let's rush through a bunch of stuff in the yeah. first two episodes and then be like, oh, God, how do we, how do we do this? stretch this out? So <laughs> yeah. I think it's going to be a slower show. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see when the rings are made. Yeah. Are they going to draw yeah. this out so the entire first season is leading up to the rings and then the rings are made in the last episode? Mm-hmm. Or are they going to like bring the rings in earlier? And mm-hmm. start to spread them around the world. Yeah, it will be really interesting to see how that happens. Um, if they want to spread them out, they're going to have a lot of character development, I think, to cover between now and the last episode. Because um, there's just so many new people we haven't met yet. Yeah, well, so far we've got what, elves, mm-hmm. hobbits, men, dwarves. And there's nine that we're supposed to technically yeah. get. So there's so. heaps more. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, so I, it'll be interesting to see what happens, though. I'm really excited to see new characters when they get introduced um, and what all happens if if anyone decides to, to turn and uh, side with the orcs. And I kind of also want to see trees. I loved, I love Treebeard. He's one of my favorite characters from Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. So I want to see trees again. <laughs> and we did briefly see them. Like, they, like, when they panned out during certain things, I saw, like, moving trees. So oh. I got a little excited. I wonder if, um, how close to the movies they take this take it. show across mm-hmm. the five seasons. Like, do they take it right up to where the movies start or do they stop way before that? That'll be or... interesting. They have to, I feel like they have to eventually introduce, like, Gandalf or um yeah well Gandalf is like a really old being yeah and he was there like when it happened um he always talks about that kind of stuff so they do eventually have to like touch base on that so I'll be interested to see when they incorporate and how and who yeah because that's a bit that's some big shoes to fill I tell you (laughs) that's not a random role that you just give to anybody for me Game of Thrones as well Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah that's pretty much everything Mm -hmm. we'll let you go back and eat all your snacks yes Thank you, everyone, for listening to the commentary booth. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on podcast services and on YouTube. You can follow Karina on Instagram at Miss Karina Renee for all of your crazy horror spookiness, which, given the time of year, there's going to be a lot of that. August 1st was the first day of Halloween, just so you guys know. <laughs> Off to Halloween Horror Nights as soon as you get home. Yes. I'm already looking at my uh, my ticket, so... And you can follow me on social media at Jamie Apps and at Perio Magazine. The Commentary Booth is a fan-funded production of Jamie Apps Media. You can support the podcast alongside our magazine, Perio Magazine, on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Jamie Apps Media. The following people supported at the community support group level or higher, and you cannot fathom how incredibly appreciative we are for their support. Brian and June Hart... Blake Robinson, Rena Renee, Courtney Paulson, Darren Hatcliffe, Jackson Carr, and Tracy Epps.